and welcome to the Glacially Musical Podcast. It is beer, metal, and swearing. It is Nick Cameron of Glacially Musical. I am joined by the man who always brings the quality. The consistency is amazing. Quantize Chakas. How are we doing today, buddy? Quantize. I'm good. Thanks. If you don't mind, I'm going to go ahead and get to my, my not beer check this week because I have some amazing ice cubes. Do you? I'm looking at the screen off to the side. What are these? I can't make it out. It's Han Solo, frozen in carbonate. That's hilarious. So that's what I'm pouring into this week. So obviously we're not drinking beers. I got little bitty ones too. Little bitty ones. Oh, that's adorable. Uh, yeah, I'm that's my whiskey jealous. drink. So, what whiskey are you drinking though? Uh, because Keefe has the fancy pants Metallica whiskey. We are having a gentleman's evening. Because, uh, and I'll get to that in a minute as to why, with whiskey. Personally, I am drinking a Cuddy Sark blended scotch whiskey prohibition edition. What, Ooh, it what is special? Like, it smells like prohibition. <laughs> smells like prohibition. It seems like it should be a diss, but it's not. So just to set the table a little bit, uh, yes, I do indeed have a bottle of the Metallica blackened American whiskey, which they sent to me. This is a blended whiskey. They sent me a sample. Today, earlier today, as we record this, I interviewed Rob Dietrich, who is the master distiller of blackened whiskey. And we talked all, I learned a lot of stuff, whiskey facts and whiskey knowledge. I did not always know. I have been a whiskey drinker most of my adult life. My dad was a whiskey drinker. And I always considered whiskey a grown up, a grown man's, a grown adult's drink. Beer I had when I was like eight. I had my first beer, but whiskey I didn't drink in my 20s. And uh, many thousands of Jack and Cokes later, I prefer just the whiskey neat. Um, so I have been drinking this a lot this afternoon. I will do a full video review of the Black and Whiskey on the Ghost Cult YouTube soon uh, to go along with my cold gin that I showed last time. And uh, Rob and I each drank together this is not a shot whiskey it's a sipping whiskey by the way i mistakenly drank like a shot of this a 25 dollars shot of this at, a, at somewhere the first time i ever had it and i was like oh why did i do that it's not for shots but i think i was like people were at the bar next to me like shots shots shot shot shots and i was like all right i'll do one and i was like song. oh why did i do this this is not meant to be gulped down you can drink jmo or jack or anything for that but this i was like oh this is a sipping whiskey and he said there's a certain special whiskey glass you should drink your whiskey out of, but I don't have one, so I just have a little water glass here. And uh, yeah, I've been. this is a delicious blended whiskey, blended with a bad reputation, no pun intended at one point. And of course, they're not only cask, they're made in these casks of brandy so that it affects the whiskey. Then they're like pumped with sound waves of Metallica songs, personally curated by Rob and the band. And apparently it affects the whiskey. I uh, I am the prohibition variety of Cuddy Sark is uh, it's got they they put like all kinds of things in there because during prohibition, uh, booze was very dangerous would kill you, so they put, that's why gin became so flavorful. Interesting. So that's why I did not so, know that. I am a huge uh, prohibition nerd. Are you now? Do you did you watch a lot of Boardwalk Empire? No, no, I don't. I like true crime, not. Not dramatized crime, fake crime. It's, 
and same with anything but it's yeah and st louis was a big part of uh a big part of uh prohibition and all the gangsters and all that stuff and i will just say kids the kkk was on the side of prohibition so where's which side do you want to be on all right oh by the way i um i have covid so uh, we had a scare, had to get a test yesterday for the little one. And I thought, well, what the hell? I'm here. Let me just get my no and call it a day. They're free. Well, I didn't get a no. I got a yes. So I am triple vaxxed. I am fairly careful when I go out. <clears throat> but these new variants will, like, again, like just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't get it. And exposure is, even if you, and also there are whole parts of the population who can carry it and not give it or give it and not get it. And I Similar think that's, to... And I think that's what happened to me is I yeah. had a variant that was brought home because uh, there, there was a bit of a sweep in my kid's school and I think that's how I got it. And because there hasn't been any outbreaks at work, there hasn't been anything like that. And we don't really expose ourselves to other people very much or for very... Because you know, you've got to be next to somebody for 15 minutes, and we don't do that. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's how I got it. Uh, for the record, my symptoms are less than mild. The I'm glad biggest... that sigh was because I'm sad for you. So I'm glad your symptoms are not severe. No, I worry okay. about it's you. Right. I, I am sad for me, too. I am frustrated. I am irritated. And I am bored out of my skull because I am quarantining for real. I'm not leaving my sitting room unless I am screaming, coming out, coming out. I'm sleeping on the couch because I can't sleep in here. There's just a love seat. And I had to wait for everybody to go to bed last night. So I was really tired. So I am stir crazy. I, you know, what else am I doing? So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cheers. Unlike. Unlike, yeah, cheers. Unlike Al Bundy, you actually love your family and you miss them. So this sucks. I do. My my wife left to go work at the, the old place. And she's like, well, it's not like we can watch TV as a family now, is it? Well, no. No, it mm-hmm. is not. You have a good day. <laughs> what, what the hell You have a say? good day. You know, she worked from That was like day. a bless your heart almost. <laughs> I'm like, I don't blame you. Have a good day. I'm just going to sit here wishing I wasn't here. <laughs> right. I get it, bro. I uh, get it. But on to happier things. Hopefully, um, I noticed last week in the episode, I felt like I had too much reverb. So I put my kiss blanket over the desk I'm sitting at. So hopefully, did some tests before recording. So hopefully that sounds better. If it doesn't, I apologize and I will continue working on Maybe it. Maybe you can hang a blanket or a curtain over that door. That would probably suck up the sound behind you. So that's probably what's happening. Your voice is pinging around the room. When you sit in that corner of the room, you didn't have any when you sat in front of the records. So yeah. they were probably the paper of the sleeves was absorbing sound in that whole wall. And now you're in this kind of corner. So A, you're just physics. You're in the corner. Right. And you have a window and a door behind you that are glass surfaces, so this is why you're not getting any dampening. Okay. Just my two cents. I'm not an expert about this. I'm an expert about other things. Well, but not... before we record the next episode, I'll stick a hockey jersey in front of that, that window. Maybe, see what happens. 
Uh, just, I'll try it's any science. Thing I can do. But uh, let's get on to happier things with the vinyl check. Do you want to go first this week? I will go first this week. Thank you. I, I have several vinyls. Things are coming in, and I'm excited about them. I have the first thing today is the Spirit Adrift Forge Your Future EP. Very nice. Uh, Spirit Adrift has kind of made the jump from stoner doom to kind of a more traditional heavy metal, and I'm here for it. And uh, this was a, a pre-order that came in, and I think, I'm not sure if it's on a plane or a fancy vinyl. It looks like a, it's on a fancy vinyl, I don't recall. Well, it's a little dusty right out of the sleeve here. Um, but it's on one side of a black vinyl, but the other side has an etching, and I don't know if viewers at home can make that out. Yeah, I can see that. But that's a cool etching of the artwork from the cover. Uh, I'm a big fan of Spirit Adrift. I have a second vinyl for the check-in today as well. And when you do yours, I'll put my stuff away. I got my Still Getting the Gimme Metal subscription club for vinyl. Every and month, every time you say that, I think to myself, damn, I need to do that, and then I don't. I don't love all of them, and you know, you can skip a month or whatever, but um, I got this one I particularly like. Um, sometimes I wonder, like, I should have muted this month or skipped a month, and you know, so I get things I don't care for that much. But I love this record. This is Horrendous, Anaretta, the death <gasps> metal band. Oh, I love that album. First of all, gorgeous, fantastic artwork. That was oh why, I, yeah, I saw that this month. Nightmare like, Hellscape. Those, those, those deathy Italians are amazing. Yeah, they are really great. And I, think I reviewed this is... that record for, when it was new. Nice. And uh, so, yeah, now it's repressed on this fancy, I'm going to pull it out, splatter pattern. It's a little tie-dye thing. And uh, I rather like this guy. This is sounds great, looks great. I've already played it. Oh. And it's like a little see-through also. So. Yeah. Cl- I like splatter it. looks the best when it's on clear or translucent. Or very light, like a light yellow or a light green. Yeah. It's a... Not a... Yeah. Although I'll say that I kind of feel like splatter is a little played out right now. Because yeah, I understand. Because I feel like... They, we've done all of them, so let's move on into other things. And it's like fashion, man. You, you, it's like Jerry. The joke about the joke Jerry Seinfeld made about women's fashion is they keep changing what they cover up and uncover to confuse men. They just do that. Just, you know, smart. We've had, we've had a lot of splatter. Let's go to swirl. We've had a lot of swirl. Let's go to half men. The uh, horrendous, by the way, is about twenty-five bucks, which is the monthly Gimme Metal mm-hmm. price plus shipping. It does this. This also comes with a lyric sheet. Uh, at one point, they were also giving you like a, an enamel pin with your Gimme Metal vinyls, but they haven't been doing too many of those. You can still buy those at the Gimme Metal store, and hopefully, Ghost Cult will have another show hosted on Gimme Metal later this year. Very cool. Uh, I will do my vinyl check this week. You go ahead. I got three. Uh, I'm going to start off with the Rolling Stones' Aftermath. I am not really a fan of the Stones to speak of, but I decided I've got one album. I've got um, Beggar's Banquet. I got a Beggar's Banquet pressing, which obviously has Sympathy for the Devil and a lot of those really cool, really cool Stones tunes. And something came up, and somebody at work was singing Paint It Black. And I don't know, I decided at that moment. I needed to do more with the stones. Also a very, this is a used copy. 
It's an original era pressing anyway. It's on London Stereophonic Records and it's in really good shape. I actually have not cleaned or spun this one yet because it just came on Wednesday or Thursday, I believe. I'll get to it soon because I want to hear it. Uh, now, last week, as I mentioned that I had a funeral. I had my funeral, my aunt's funeral last week. So after all of that was done, I went, you know, as Penny Lane says, and almost famous, whenever you feel lonely, go to the record store and visit your friends. So that's what I did. I went to Vintage Vinyl in University City, which is a suburb of St. Louis, right on, I mean, right outside of the city. And really cool, really cool little, there's a place called The Loop, which is where the, the trolleys used to loop. That's they used to be where they would turn around, the U-City Loop. So that's where Vintage Vinyl is. It's been there for almost 50 years, and along with a lot of other really cool stuff. Uh, our oldest movie theater that actually closed recently, and all kinds of cool stuff. So Vintage Vinyl is also probably the biggest, well, it's definitely the biggest record store in St. Louis. It is ginormous. It is freaking huge, which is why I don't typically go there very often, because choice paralysis what there's we have a lot of little record stores and i can go through an entire little record store in the same time it takes me to go through one section of vintage life but i did some poking i'm glad i poked as hard as i did first thing i came out with was this one sepultura and tambours de bronx Metal Veins live at Rock and Rio. This is 2014 Sepultura performing with a percussion, with a percussion band. It's on white and red. It's a nice gatefold for the gatefold people, which of which I am not one. Oh, the Rolling Stones album. I think I got that for about 12 bucks delivered. Now this one. I was actually very surprised at the pricing on this. Uh, this is a European pressing, German, I believe it is. I got this for $22. And it's a double. It's got a lot of the really cool classic stuff, a lot of the later stuff. Very cool record. Very cool record. I'm very, I didn't know that one was even pressed. I remember reviewing that. Just, I mean, obviously in 2014, so forever ago. And I was, I listened to that on my computer. I had to download it to my computer because they didn't have Wi-Fi then. I had reviewed it so long ago. It was before a fast food place. Didn't, no, I was at Wendy's, not Lion's Choice. Before all, you know, restaurants had Wi-Fi. And I had to type it up on MS Word and then transfer it into the website and reformat it because word to blogger for some reason is just a big middle finger and I, I have not figured that out yet but uh, so very cool to get that and great live set so that is the second rock and rio live album i now have the other one being of course iron maiden oh let me have a sip of that Whew, that is rough that's prohibition whiskey prohibition whiskey is not your smooth sipping whiskey you don't you don't drink this straight nobody you can't because it, it will kill you and ruin, your, ruin you. So the other thing I got this week, big John Five fan. I uh, got in on his solo records around the time of God Told Me To. 
which is an exceptional album of his. But uh, came across copy of Sinner, also at Vintage Vinyl. Picked them both up. This one is on nice yellow pressing. Mustard yellow is perfect for spinning records, if you ask me. Uh, again, gatefolds, if you dig the gatefolds. I don't see the point to the gatefolds, but you know what? Whatever. Other people like them. So I'm not going to yuck on anybody else's yum. Did I listen to this one and uh, a couple sort of both of these great, great records, and they were easy to come by. So do not, do not, do not sleep on these. I'll say that. Nick is uh, crossing a lot of my Venn diagram stuff uh, this week. I saw Sepultura last week. I saw John Five the other night. I have never seen Sepultura. Oh no! You well, when they come back, you definitely should go. Um, as I said, because their drummer was injured, I got to hear a very old school set, which was wonderful. Uh, John Five just saw the other night around the corner from my house at DNA Lounge. Uh, he's terrific. If he's coming to your town. Let it's me know. I can help arrange that. St. Louis on this tour. God dang it. I've uh, seen him but a couple times. Before. He puts on a really great show and a very visually striking show. It's kind of like a, like, uh, just a not, you know, just a small club version of the visuals you might get from Rob Zombie, complete yeah, with a, yeah. a giant John 5 guy that comes out in a giant 10 foot John 5 creature outfit and mask. And terrorizes the crowd like and an Eddie. And he also busts out an array of Eastern <clears throat> European acoustic instruments. Not this time. Oh, yeah, not, not this that's time. What I got he, when I saw him. he did. Um, he had his typical Fender Tellies, mm-hmm. Telecasters. He had a baby Fender, kind of weird four string guitar, not an electric uke, but a weird four string guitar. He also played his uh, very. You know, he opened the show with his. Uh, see-through liquid guitar it's like Love a plasma inside the guitar, guitar that he Kirk plays Hammond with a bow like that, that he plays with a bow and um like jimmy page and uh he did a bunch of covers at the end he's recording for a live record on this tour and the opening support was the haxons which features piggy d his brother from another live record he's doing yeah that's like his thing now is to do a record and a live album and a record and a live record so he's the doing iron Ma- the iron maiden strategy the iron maiden Love way it. Love it. Uh, on this album, it's got a bunch of covers, and it's also got uh, Peter Chris on it. No way. And Peter Chris on uh, Georgia. On my yes, mind. that's right. Actually, I know he did because I asked him about. I interviewed him. You can watch my interview with John Five also on YouTube this week, and he talked about Peter. And I was kind of like I had sort of only half listened to the record, and they rushed me into the interview with him quickly. And I was like, oh, I love that Peter is on here. He's like Peter's a personal friend of mine. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Whenever, whenever how. Um, Rob Zombie. Whenever Rob Zombie goes to plays in Jersey now, they always bring up Peter Chris play too. That's funny. So, you know, more power to them. Hope they're happy. But I think we have stuttered and stammered on enough. What are we talking about this week? We are going to conclude our series on Thin Lizzy, although Thin Lizzy has many more albums than we're going to talk about. There's just not enough time in the podcast to cover these all. So we're gonna it would clo- be a Thin Lizzy podcast if we covered all of them. And I am disappointed because we don't have time to get to the next one, Black Rose. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, like, we're not going to really, you know, talk about Live and Dangerous. We're not going to talk about Black Rose. We're not going to talk about Chinatown. These are brilliant records. And then there's a whole 
their final record, which is Thunder and Lightning, has a certain place in the heart of metalheads because it's a little step toward new wave of heavy metal. They embraced a lot of that stuff, you know, in the wake of Maiden and Motorhead and Priest. Well, and... That's, that's pretty meta. You know, they they influenced Maiden and then Maiden influences them. And right. It, but then unfortunately, we lose we lose Phil. But I think this is a good. It was my choice to stop here because I feel like this is the perfect stopping point because this is the end of the classic run this is after this one the band you know the next record has gary moore on it so it's it's not the same band so just to yeah just so we're gonna do bad reputation and just to follow up so we talked about jailbreak which is their huge hit record it's the record everyone has it's the record everyone knows um and Johnny the Fox, which is arguably their second best record, great record, is incredible. Mo- mostly, at least an eight, arguably a nine in places. Um, certainly top tier, right behind Jailbreak. Not doesn't have the hits, but all the songs are high quality. All the playing, singing, writing, that fantastic. That album, I think, exemplifies the whole reason why you chose this series. If you're, if this is the first Thin Lizzy of first of the Thin Lizzy series you're checking in this is the last episode of Thin Lizzy this is our fifth episode which is longer than we typically go on a band we usually go four right but Thin Lizzy was chosen by Keithy because he felt they are criminally underrated in this country I think they're criminally underrated in general I just think it's a shame that they don't have the like they don't they are not top of mind to a lot of people like they should be when you reel off the classic rock era of bands that have they a don't lasting they they don't come up often enough they come up but not often enough for me and so that's that was the genesis of this and you know i i think so far even though we haven't finished the last episode no regrets this is a very good series i agree. i i feel like we did a good i think we've done justice to the man and the band. Um, just to continue, continue setting the scene for a second before we go into the track by track. So we talked about last time. Uh, they write Johnny the Fox after Philo had been contracted hepatitis and was in. So basically, Jailbreak comes out. They open for Queen in stadiums. They're getting ready to come back and do their own headline tour, which you know is means money. And sales so and much merch, and it, Philo gets hepatitis, whatever, and he's bedridden at the time. Like not, normally now, if you got hepatitis from something, you could be out of the hospital in a few weeks. He was in the hospital for six or seven months. During that period of time, he wrote all of Chinatown. I'm sorry, all of that time he wrote Johnny the Fox, which is a concept record. He wrote most of it, like eighty percent of the record himself, which is why it doesn't sound like the other records. He comes in, they go to the studio, they bang it out quick, they're getting ready to go on tour, and Brian Robertson gets in a bar fight defending a friend of his and gets his hand cut open, which requires major surgery on his guitar hand. He does not come on tour. Gary Moore goes on tour with the band, sowing the seeds of Gary Moore coming back in later. He had already been on a Thin Lizzy record, Gary Moore. It's then time to go back and make the next record, because so, record, record, tour, record, tour, that's what everybody did back right. then. I'm just going to go back and point out something I said last week. How often is it when somebody misses a tour 
that they come back on the next record? How often do the is their spot still their spot? Mm. Not often. It's just usually if you if you miss a tour, you become an anchor. Right. Yeah. Um, but funny. But so not only did he miss a tour, he wasn't ready to make the next record. He wasn't really ready. So they started writing the record without him and went into record without him. And uh, Philo felt that Scott, being a legend that he is, could handle all the guitar by himself. But Scott's songs that he writes are specifically geared toward two guitar bands. He wrote, They started writing in that style as soon as Scott came in the band, influenced by Whiskey in the Jar of the Single, and, and the uh, Fightin' record, and the record before it. They started writing in that style, which is the iconic guitar, twin guitar sound that you know Thin Lizzy for. So they basically make this record, and toward the end of the record, Brian comes in and lays down a few solos. He does recover in time to go tour with them after, which we'll get to. Scott actually was the one that fought to have to have him on there. Yeah, he yeah, because Phil was like, "Nah, we don't need." I'm sure like there was already acrimony. Like this guy's cost us him, he's cost himself money, he's cost us money, and maybe we don't need him. But I really think the power of Thin Lizzy is is, a, is not as a trio. It's a four-piece band. I completely agree. The idea <clears throat> of Thin Lizzy as a trio is not right. It's kind of like Iron Maiden without two guitar players. It, you know. Well, we but, know they don't yeah, need so three. But that's another conversation we had at Infinitum during the Maiden series. We already uh, did the Maiden series. We already did. But anywho. But so Scott actually wrote three songs <clears throat> on purpose in order to have Brian on there. And one of them, he wouldn't even put the solo down. No. Then, so Brian then joins uh, joins them in Toronto and is angry at them, won't talk to them, won't even socialize with them. Right. Until eventually he breaks. He's like, yeah, 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 we're fine, we're fine. And I, then... I also want to mention that this is the first record they worked with an actual, let's say all the Thin Lizzy records are well-produced. You know, maybe they'd always have the best songs. None of them sound bad. Uh, this is this is a coup. So this is their seventh record, right? Seventh or eighth, seventh record? And uh, eighth, I'm sorry. So this is their eighth record. And this is the first time they work with a name producer. Somebody, a huge name producer. Tony Visconti, who has produced everybody from Bowie to Wings to everybody. And he was a, he's a, still a legendary person to this day. And so this is the first time they actually like could... Co technically co-produced by Thin Lizzy and Tony Visconti, but like, that's insane. That it took them eight records and they already had like a hit record and t and a very good selling follow up, and then they were afforded a legendary producer. It seems like after the Whiskey in the Jar single, that somebody would have showed up. Yeah, to me. But again, the record label maybe they lost money for a long time for that band for that label, and that could be the cause. Um, but yeah, who knows? Uh, I don't know if you have any further thoughts on ba uh, Bad Reputation before we do the track by track, but, um... No, I think I've gotten everything I wanted to get out. It's, uh... Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad Brian, is, both Brians are on this record. Oh, we didn't talk about the, the cover. We didn't talk about the cover. We should talk about the cover. So, yeah, go ahead. There's three guys on the cover. You said go ahead, then you started talking. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, I'm just. I, I am just drinking waiting. whiskey. I'm, I was just waiting to make sure that there wasn't a you know follow up for yourself. Go ahead. 
Yeah, this is a whiskey show, so it's a little bit different. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> if you're not watching this on YouTube, now's a great time. It has gotten weird. Oh, I'm going to just cover the screen a little bit. So the cover of this album is Thin Lizzy does not have the iconic logo, as Keithy likes to point out with every album that doesn't have it. Thin Lizzy, a lot like Black Sabbath, chose to revamp their logo every I guess just revamp the stylization of their name every album because they really don't have a logo. This is Thin Lizzy is in that classic, you know, uh, military spray paint font. Then Bad Reputation as well. It is a black and white cover. The only cover color is the title Bad Reputation under one, two, three members of the band, not four. The the cover was designed during their time as a trio. Excuse me, the whiskey's coming up. Uh, designed during their time as a trio, and Phil decided to kind of show off their trio and that they're not being held back by one less dude. However, if you open up the gatefold, you'll see that dude. <laughs> yeah, and um, I don't, I don't know if this is fair. I wonder if weirdly this cover influenced the future motorhead cover not i think on parole has a similar cover which was released much later but was recorded around the same time they were friends they played together they toured together a little bit so you know no doubt that lemmy knew phil and the guys uh and and the other motorhead guys i know lemmy is the one with the reputation of being you know god lemmy is god trick question but those other guys especially the early motorhead guys uh, were like ragers straight up freaking ragers like lemmy so i wonder if there wasn't some you know some stories out there we don't know about well this out i mean the album cover i'm not going to call it a extraordinarily original or striking cover though it may very well have been the first one like this because if you talk about the history of recorded music it's only one century give or take in 60 million years of humanity and if you talk about rock and roll and non-classical uh, av- music we're only looking at 60 years out of 60 million years of human history so it's a very short time so this very may very well could have been the first one but i am sh- i am sure that this is an album cover that did definitely do a lot more the the pictures of their faces is the black albums portraits remind me of this except this is theirs was more more uh, more of the negative rather than positive is not the right word it light and dark this these are white faces black hair whereas the metallica ones were gray faces on black so right and i got to see those original black album photos and proofs and everything during oh, the Jesus. We Metallica. Can't go, we, can't. we can't. We can't. I, mean, I started it. So. I mean, we did talk about the whiskey already. So, I mean, like, te- technically. I, I guess the floodgates were open. You floodgates were open. Sorry, everybody. Um, Lars is a big fan. He's huge. Huge fan. And, uh, yeah, directly influenced. Directly influenced the band. So, yeah, man. Uh, let's uh, Let's do the track by track. I can lead the way. As I have been doing, if you like. Go ahead, or, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 
So the record begins with the solo fill composition. I'm, I'm going to do what you did to me. Go ahead. Wait. Uh, just want to point out again, this is another 36-minute album. They seem to be really rolling in that number. And it's it's odd to me that they've had so many albums in a row at 36 minutes. It's just their sweet spot. Eight or nine songs in about 35, 36 minutes every time. Right. They're, they write three to five minute tracks. They're, they're not progressive. They're not poppy. They're not punk. Right in that right in that radio sweet spot, which is what makes it even weirder. <laughs> right. Um, so, if I may. You may. The album kicks off with Soldier of Fortune, not that other Soldier of Fortune song you're thinking of, but Soldier of Fortune, a great album opener, fantastic guitar, and almost a Zeppelin-y kind of tune in that three-quarters of the way through, it kind of shifts a little bit and becomes this like very interesting musical thing without verses or choruses anymore like an extended not quite a solo but like a whole band musical motif agreed and uh just just a wonderful album opener when when it comes back to soldier of fortune from that motif the change is so significant it's a little bit jarring when phil comes back to soldier of fortune what was he fighting for I feel like this song was a little bit was is another autobiographical song. I don't really get the impression that Phil could write a whole lot that he didn't know. Mm. I would obviously I would say it's allegorical, but when you consider the last two tours where shit happened and it it's got to feel like they're fighting for every step of the way only to be beaten down and not even really make that much money for it. It, it probably felt a lot like that when it rolled around. Mm. Indeed, indeed. Well great said. Song, great song. Great song, though. Great song, great opener. Bad Reputation, the title track is next. One of the ragingest, rippinest songs ever by the band. Their first... There's two singles on this record that actually charted after a record that was a... Great record, but a concept record, not really radio friendly. This was a much more, you know, Bad Reputation's like, it's heavy, it's brooding, it's got riffs, it's it's muscular. And then it's got like this glorious, melodic, key change guitar solo, twin guitar harmony thing that is just absolutely baller. Mm -hmm. Another great song, the, I will say this, and I will only say this about the lyrics. They're a little dated. If you go back to what the Plastic Rock guys were singing about and what Ace Frehley continues to sing about, it is not necessarily a an enlightened view of the world and of the opposite sex. And this one feels a little bit like that, but it also could it also could be him singing it singing to himself in a mirror. And Keefe's lights have gone out. I'm going to keep talking while he's dark and freaky. <laughs> oh, what a day! It's a day where technology has not been uh, cooperating with me. So right. every day, the thing about technology is when it works, it's the greatest thing in the world, and it makes us need it. And when it doesn't, it's a kick in the dick, and it says, "Who's your daddy? I'm your daddy. Technology is your daddy. You know True I'm that. I'm, you, you, you talk about opium trail while I fix my light. Opium trail, another great song, and I feel again we we're talking about probably something slightly autobiographical. When you get on the road, the drugs are everywhere, and it's got to feel, 
I, I especially in the 70s i can't imagine it not feeling like an opium den i mean i've read the books that people like aerosmith and alice cooper have written and when they talk about the amount of illicit substances that are just everywhere a little creepy and again another another time where maybe the lyrics are a little bit maybe we shouldn't maybe we wouldn't use those words now in 2022 but it's it's not something i'm gonna go i'm gonna look back on 45 years in the past and go oh you should have known better it was 45 years in the past you know when i was growing up learning about the civil rights it wasn't even 45 years old at that point so just to kind of throw a little bit of perspective there another great song and it's these songs are a lot slower in 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 feel maybe they're not you know bpm is a little bit but they they don't have that gallop that swaggery gallop of thin lizzie at this point and it really doesn't ever come up on this whole record which is fine well bad reputation has a definite like a riffy gallop to it but overall those like Again, I feel like almost Jailbreak set the bar so high and there's several of those songs with that throbbing, riding beat and pedaling bass and guitar. And this record's, you know, this is a much more song, they're in a more song-orientated band now. And uh, they don't have to rely on like, oh, a great riff, let's run it into the ground. They're able to do, you know, they're able to change keys and they're able to do, you know, different, you know, shifting motifs and times. The thing about music is, if you're an athlete and you hit a home run to center field, if you're a baseball player, if you're, as it were, you can keep hitting home runs to center field and everybody's going to be happy. But if you keep writing the same song over and over, people aren't going to be happy. They were never going to write a song as good as Jailbreak. They were never going to do twin guitar harmony parts as good as The Boys Are Back in Town. They moved away from it. That's okay. fair. That's not unfair. Um Side one closes out with Southbound, which is, you know, pretty good. I wouldn't say it's great. It's a good track. Got some yeah. interesting yeah. got a little R and B flavor to it a little in the singing and the and the changes. And uh, you know, it's a little soulful and a little doleful. So it kind of brings the energy down for me a little bit after rep- bad reputation and opium trail or like have fervor, you know? Opium trail has a lot of tension to it, which is why it works so well for me southbound feel sounds like a hit song it's it's you know the first three songs they've actually kind of said something and then southbound really doesn't say anything it's it's is it a bad song no but the three that preceded it were amazing tracks and this is the i would have switched opium trail on this one in the sequencing just to kind of hide it a little bit it's it's you gotta start strong you gotta finish strong it's like comedy and there you go and sports these, you gotta be a finisher right and back in these days you had to, you had to start twice and you had to finish twice you had side uh-huh. one and side two super true um flip the record and put on side two and start with another exceptional hit song dancing oh. in the moonlight it's caught me in its spotlight Phenomenal song, super catchy, very 70s, very retro, still holds up though, but it's got that classic, just like, just a vibe that is undeniable. Um, Maybe it was meant to be a hit, and it is, maybe it wasn't, I don't know if it's that, you know, contrived, I don't think so, I don't think anything this guy did 
was. I think in his heart, maybe he wanted them to be a bigger band than they were, but you know, he wanted it to come naturally. But this is a, a just an amazing, amazing rock song. You're you're not going to hear me complain about somebody wanting to be popular, wanting to be comfortable, wanting to be set based on writing a song or singing a song or fiddling around on on the four stringer. So you you know a little bit of hit fishing, you know that, that's one thing. But when he tries to write a pop song, he fails in a glorious way, in a spectacular way. Dancing in the moonlight. It's caught me in the spotlight. If you look at the lyrics, it's very happy. It's very chill. I mean, this is the kind of thing that a high school cover band could easily play on a loop for a graduation. They could be that band in Almost Famous playing this song over and over. But when I hear Phil Lynott sing it, it's very different. So is it a pop song? Uh-huh. Is it a good pop song? Oh, yeah. Is it poppy? Oh, hell no. It's very anxious. It's very tense. It's it's worried. And that's why I love this song. Nice. I want to mention that there's an amazing... One thing I didn't say that there is in this song has... Very unique to this one song out of the whole band's catalog is there's a call and response vocal part in the chorus... Hmm. So there's the whole band singing a chorus part, and then Phil is singing in response lead against the chorus part, which is very unique for this band, was hugely copied by a lot of bands. We did the Quiet Riot series. This is where this kind of probably came from. I'm sure it's like a Beach Boys thing, uh, or somebody else did it first, but I'm not saying they innovated it, but it's great, and it's very singular in their whole history that there's this kind of song with this kind of... Hey, this kind it, of chorus. It's, it's okay if they didn't innovate it or create it. It's like Hooper X said, man. Everybody wants to think they're Marco fucking Polo. <laughs> Pulling out the references. Oh my goodness, Jason Amy in the house. Um, hey, or no, that was that was chasing Amy line. Oh no, what's a Nubian? <laughs> Bitch, you almost made me laugh. Anyway, uh, no, hu- oh, honey, I don't hear you complaining nightly. That's from Jane Bob Strike Back. Yes. Oh God, uh, Hooper X needs a movie. That he's an incredible. Uh, he writes and directs now, and oh, he, he does. Yeah, he's he's quite uh, esteemed, and uh, would love to see him. If there's a justice in this world, it would be cool to see him come back to the Viewisk universe in Clerks Three, which we also talk about every every episode. Just about. And, uh, that's because we are men of a certain age. We are men of a, the Kevin Smith generation. He speaks correct. for us and, and speaks to clerks us. To clerks, I mean, that was my... Uh, that I was a slacker like them at that time. Yeah, I was well, Dante. I, I still am. That. I need to shit or get off the pot. I don't know how. I, I still can't shit or get off the pot. I will just ride the train. Where <laughs> Look, I don't know where this train's going, but... I'm already on it, and I know the chair is comfortable, so I'm, I'm, I'm fine. It's going somewhere. I, I shit my pants. Right. I, rather than shit uncomfortably, I shit no, my pants. I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to change my situation just to shit comfortably. Shit comfortably. <laughs> oh, anywho, anywho, moving on. Sorry, Tracks. I have nothing to say about this next song. So. Okay, yeah, well, this next song, Killer Without a Cause, is obviously a 
spoof or parody of Devil Without a Cause, and uh, but it's a Ooh, it's a pretty cool. A lot of those. Yeah, it's a good track. Uh, again, similar to Southbound, it's it's good. I don't I don't think it's exceptional, but it's a it's it's not filler either. It's a pretty solid song just generally, and uh, I'm gonna see if my screen kind of blocked here. So this is. A Gorham and Linet, and this is, I think, one of the ones that uh, Robertson is on. So this is this is one of the ones where he he gets to kind of let loose a little. Let me see here. Uh, oh, it doesn't it doesn't say. Oh, three, six, and eight. What are we on? We are six. on six. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then so, for no particular reason at all, it's a uh, track time of three, three, three. But yeah, man, it's it's a good song. Um, you know, again, against Bad Reputation and Dancing in the Moonlight, it's unfortunate, but they can't all be winners and bangers. Um, much better is And I the... think they put that one in the right place. Yeah, yeah, toward the end. Um, much better, and definitely a step up, and probably the most underrated song on the whole album, is probably Downtown Sundown. Uh, this is a very... Definitely got me in my feels. Beautiful, beautiful lyrics. Really well sung, sung by Philo. And uh, again, man, if you leave this guy to his devices, he's a poet and a storyteller above all things. And he sings with he sings and plays with such conviction. You know, it's like he's he's like King Diamond, except really good in terms of he he acts out the songs when he sings them. And he is getting into a character every single song. Correct, and that's. I don't know why, but that's not normal in this genre, in our in our in our chosen genres of music, you know, in the, the guitar music. Where, and I don't know why that is, because that's what music has always been. Music has always been about telling stories. When you go back, I mean, telling stories, telling the news, or sending messages. So of course you're going to be in character, and he goes into character, and he goes deeply in. And he goes convincingly in. And I love that. Word. Nicely done. Uh, winding down the album, That Woman's Gonna Break Your Heart is the penultimate track. Track eight. Um, another love song. We get a lot of these brokenhearted songs from Phil over time. Um, a little a little rock, a little R&B, a little heartache. Stir, yeah, rinse, and repeat. This, is, this song is the one that, that Scott Gorham did not even record a solo he just didn't he just didn't punch in for it he's like we need we need brian back on this one and that's and this song is what got brian downey back on this record and back on the tour oh not downey robertson robertson oh, downey's the drummer i apologize that's too many okay. brian's too many brian's too many i brian's. interviewed a band today with three kyles and i went hard on the kyle puns and this guy was a champ because I was just like, Kyle this and Kyle that. And he's like, we just call each other by last names and don't even say Kyle. I was like, is it kind of like you guys are the living Spider-Man meme? Hey, Kyle. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's too many Bryans in this band. Uh, but not for long after this album is <laughs> over. Hi. Anyway, bada bing. Closing out the album with Dear Lord, another pensive, philosophical, what am I doing with my life? What's the future look like? What are my hopes and dreams? Am I going to live? I don't know. Um, you know, he is very, he, I wouldn't say religious, but spiritual probably, right? He sings about God quite often. There's 
lyrics about God on every album, mentions of God, mentions of you know, the afterlife and what happens when I'm gone. And he did tragically die young as we close this series out. I'm sure we're going to mention that he, he would pass away less than 10 years after this album came out. So, you know, very. I'm sure when he made this record, he didn't think his life was going to end so soon, you know? Agreed. And this is another one of the... When, <clears throat> I wish you wouldn't say all the cool things and leave me some cool things to say, but you didn't. I definitely think that, that he always hoped something that was bigger than himself in terms of spirituality and and the afterlife and all that kind of stuff excuse me because he routinely sang about it he routinely i i I would say ruminated on it and and considered it as i think many of us do that don't follow an organized religion and because we don't have the conditioning to go this is real this is real this is real and on top of that he we're talking about a person who did tragically die young. I know Keefe already said it, but I've already got that information up on my screen. He he died basically on Christmas, 1985, and and so not even seven, not even eight years after this album, mm. he dies. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a tragedy. Uh, I feel very lucky that we got the music we got. Uh, I don't know if you'll allow me like two minutes to give the fast forward on the rest of their career as a band. Go but, ahead, uh, and then I'll I'll wrap up a little. So bit they go on tour with Brian briefly for part of it, and th- some of that material ends up on Live and Dangerous, which is probably their third or fourth best known album because it's a live album and it is the era of live albums and the live the albums. One I have. So where you get the greatest hits collection usually is on a good live album. And I. I'm glad we're not really going over it because there's a lot of questions about how live. Is yeah, it. and it's good. and that's for a long. But yeah, it, there it's it's sort of live and it's a kiss right, it's live. A 70, it's a seventies live. Band. It's a kiss live. It's not a somebody yeah. else, and so not the Deep Purple or, or Yes, but um or Rush, but you know I I, I give them. I heard that I give them a lot of credit. So they they come out they go they do a full proper world tour. As, as much as they could for this. Live and Dangerous comes out. They come right back in the next couple of years with two back-to-back absolute bangers, and I highly recommend anybody. You literally have the Keith guarantee, the Keefy seal of approval. Go out and buy Black Rose. Go out and buy Chinatown. Go buy them on vinyl. You will love these records. If you've appreciated, especially these last few records we've talked about, those two are as good as this record. I think this is probably their second or third best record, depending on who you talk to. I think there's a charm about Johnny the Fox that doesn't get talked enough about. We talked about it last week, but uh, even though it doesn't have the hits, it's more it's better made and better because it was just Phil mostly. It's just got something about it that the other records don't have because it's mostly him. And this record has more hits and more known songs, but. I think that record is better. And then those other two, like I said, Black Rose and Chinatown are brilliant. And then if you are just strictly a heavy metal person listening to this, you probably need to have Thunder and Lightning. It was a huge favorite of Pantera, of Diamond Daryl, Dimebag. Loved that record. Uh, and you know, directly influenced a lot of rock and heavy metal that came after it. Um and, you know, Phil had an okay solo career, a couple of charting songs as a solo artist, sort of pop rock vein, 
similar to a Phil Collins, his buddy. And, um, but you know, just didn't really, he had another band called Grand Slam. If you're really a completist and you want to find that band out, that's more of like a funk R&B, hard R&B band, like a little bit bridging R&B and rock in an interesting way, like a Rick James or a Prince. Um, and so, yeah, just, you know, there's a lot of great music out there. We didn't get to cover it all, but we covered what I consider to be the essential heart of it. And um, I'm thankful for Nick for humoring me with this choice. And again, I, I think this is worth owning most of these records, especially the arc of the ones we did. They're all buys for me. I would have them all if given my druthers. I am looking at a picture of uh, Phil in what I believe to be uh, Grand Slam. And oh my Lord, that's something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's kind of all I've got on this. Uh, I know this is a little shorter than we normally do. But uh, it, I don't it's a really... little shorter because we did five albums on this one. And... Yeah, we need, <laughs> and then um, we did, we did five shows on five albums. So yeah, I will, I will. Yeah, the, the, it's a, it's enough. It's enough. We did Great. we did uh, how many Maiden records? Like ten Maiden records, roughly. Right. And and uh, you know how many Metallica records? Like seven or eight Metallica records in the in that. No, we did seven room. or eight. Metallica double records. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, it's easier for me to do those when they're albums I've heard a million, a million times. times. Yeah. So yeah, I hope I hope this was fun for you and not a chore. Uh, we've had a oh, couple no, of no, series no. that felt like chores to us, so I hope the the they were hopefully at least entertaining while we suffered. This I think was a treat, and I hope wasn't about a chore. Black Sabbath technical ecstasy because I've got a vinyl that I'll send you if you want it. Yeah, well, I have to send you uh, my extra Metal Massacre record, so I will share will share addresses soon. Um, you know, again, I really hope people check out this band much more. Um, they have an army of fans. They have an army of lovers. Uh, an army of children have been born to some of these songs. I know the hits are repetitive and beat to death by rock radio and, and satellite radio, but, like, really dig deep, get these other records, really spend some time with them. This record... Uh, Johnny the Fox. These are they're well known. They're they're well received. They're well liked. But maybe they're just not as pervasive as the big 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 hit songs like Whiskey in the Jar and Boys Are Back in Town. But you know, there's more to life than the hits. It, it's amazing how different Thin Lizzy really is from what I thought they were. You know, when you hear Whiskey in the Jar, Emerald, Jailbreak, yada yada yada, Boys Are Back in Town it conjured up a very particular kind of image for me of who they were, what they were about. And what I learned from this series is they were a very different band than that. They were a band that just kind of followed the ebbs and flows of the inspiration of Bill lineup. And that inspiration took him in a lot of different places. And it's really cool. It was really cool for me to go through these albums and to really give them a critical look you know i've got jailbreak which is just something that's in my itunes i've never given it a real strong kind of look or anything like that but you know it is a lot of it was a lot of fun going through this and 
you know, I've, I had had some Thin Lizzy on my, my want list for a while now, and I'm definitely going to go ahead and put those into the, the shopping cart. But for this week, you know, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for checking in with us. If you have made it this far, you are kings and queens among men, princes of the night, princesses of the dawn. So I was trying to do something cool. Didn't work out. And I don't edit. But thank you very much for checking us out. If you could, you can follow Keithy at at Ghost Cult Mag or at Ghost Cult Keithy on Twitter. You can follow myself at Nick No C N I K underscore N O underscore C or Glacially underscore musical on Instagram. If you could just like this video, I want to give a special shout out to the gentleman Arthur Fonzarelli who uh, commented on my receding hairline last week. So hopefully he's still watching. Yes, I have a spectacular receding hairline. I got a bald spot in the back, but you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. I'm old. I'm old and I earned it. So I also show my face there, Fonz. Just going to point out you're not. But that is all I have for this week. Anything else, Keefe? I got nothing. All righty. I like leaving Keefe speechless. This is the Glacially Musical Podcast. It doesn't play in Peoria. Follow. <laughs>